The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, we've got a program lined up today for you. We're going to talk about what's going on in Russia, of course, in the Ukraine. We're going to talk about the political speech we heard last night from the State of the Union speech from the president. We've got uh, Daniel Irwin today, a big, huge problem with some scams that are going here, going on here in Memphis from the Better Business Bureau. Daniel's always a great guest of ours. He's here every month just kind of telling us what to be avoiding and what to stay alert to, and that's so important. You won't want to miss that part of the program. It's at the last. Stay with us. Before we get to our phenomenal guest that we thoroughly enjoy having, I need to make an announcement. The Miracle League is coming to Memphis. Now, let me tell you, the Miracle League is a safe, rubberized surface filled with children where children with disabilities and special needs can play a sport. You do not want to miss their kickoff. It's Saturday, March the 5th at 10.30 a.m. It's the kickoff will be at Christian Brothers University Theater. That's the southwest corner of the campus, and you enter from Central Avenue. It starts at 10.30. The first 150 kids get prizes, special gifts from Homer. That's the Homer. He is the mascot of the Miracle League and the Chick-fil-A cow. You don't want to miss that. A lot of fun Saturday, March the 5th at 10 a 1030. That's the Miracle League coming to Memphis. You don't want to miss it. Well, my guest today is going to give us uh, kind of a, an overview and explain to us and give us some insight into what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine and how do we need to fit into it. So uh, he is the chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments, and we thoroughly enjoy having him on the program. Mr. Greg Valliere, sir, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jim. Nice to talk to you again. Yes, sir. I tell you, I want to just start real, just right off the top. What did you think? What was your take last night? It was it was an adequate speech, uh, fairly well delivered. I think the big takeaway is that Biden moved a bit more toward the center. I think he's gotten the message that the November election could be a debacle for the Democrats if they don't move to the center and on a few issues he did like he didn't talk much more about build back better spending another trillion dollars he didn't talk about you know defunding the police in fact he said we've got to fund the police so all of a sudden after embracing the left joe biden last night to me looked like he was more of a centrist you know i i call i actually noticed a couple of times he got booed by the far left, which I thought was kind of like, yeah, yeah that, he is moving to the middle. Is that going to be what's yep. uniting us? Would they kind of help along with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine? Well, I, I think the, the, the Ukrainian story is the big one, and I think that this is one of these rare issues. I haven't seen a lot, Jim, one of these rare issues where people in Washington are pretty much unified. I mean, there's some uh, 
opposing uh, positions, but I think most people feel this is outrageous. It's a war crime by Putin. It has to be resisted. I mean, we're not going to send troops, but we're going to send a lot more equipment, and the sanctions, I think, will have real teeth. And I think on that score, Biden gets decent points. I would have liked to have seen him move a little sooner, but he gets pretty good scores on that. On the domestic agenda, you know, things like inflation, he's in hot water with the voters. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we, I, I like the way, you know, from a standpoint of how he let out, he let out with what it was on everybody's mind. And I think that was a, a, a good point for him, a home run for him. Let me ask you about that. This is, we're talking about Ukraine. There's Russian mm-hmm. Putin debacle. I mean, I, you know, I, I know, I noticed something that you had said in something I was reading that, you know, some people talk about, well, some cities are falling or this is this and that, but Putin's losing the war. Explain that when you say that and what your thinking is. Yeah, I really think as of now, and there's probably a long way to go, I don't think Putin's winning this war at all. You could make an argument that he's losing the war on two or three fronts. Number one, there have been huge casualties of Russian troops, maybe in the thousands of Russian troops who have been wounded or killed, uh, more than Ukrainian troops. And for Putin, this means... In the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of funerals in Russia with uh, these uh, troops coming back uh, who were killed in the war. Uh, The troops all thought that they were uh, going to be greeted as heroes. The troops thought that this was just a, a routine military exercise, and now they realize what kind of a war they're in. And I think another big story is that this convoy moving close to Kiev, has slowed down amid reports that they don't have enough fuel, they don't have enough water, morale is terrible, they've left the corpses of their killed comrades just on the side of the road, and you, and then the argument is, well, if they get into these cities like Kiev, you're going to see uh, the, the Russians dominate. I'm not so sure about that. I think the, the brave patriots in uh, Ukraine, they they know every square inch of uh, Kiev. They know every back alley, they know every block, they know every neighborhood, and I think once those tanks do get in to Kiev, and people in Russians get out of those tanks, they're going to encounter a ferocious guerrilla war. If you just tuned in, my guest today is Greg Vallier. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist for AGF Investments. He's been a person we've had on before. He gives us some insight politically. And we're talking about, of course, the State of the Union presentation or speech by President Biden. I guess my thought, Greg, is this. What is the goal? If I could summarize and, you know, a short paragraph, the goal for Putin. What is his, what is he looking for long term here when he, I mean, this is a big deal to start a war of aggression against a country. And I just can't, I'm having struggles with what's his goal. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the possible outcome with all of these funerals of Russian troops, with uh, the near certainty that Russia is going to be in a depression, capital D, a depression. And when you look at the fact that Russia now is a pariah throughout the world, you know, what's, what's his goal? I mean, I, I can't get into, into his mind, but an awful lot of people who have studied him feel he's becoming increasingly irrational. Uh, I think he likes to view himself as another czar, and he was furious when the old Soviet Union broke up, and now I think he wants to put it back together. If he prevails, 
in the Ukraine, and I'm not convinced he will. I think there's going to be a long guerrilla war. But if he does prevail, then I think he might cast his, you know, eyes on the Baltic states, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. Uh, he wants to put the old Soviet Union back together again, and that is crazy. Yeah, that's kind of like, um, that's outside the nine dots, if you think about that. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a friend of yep. mine that uh, is from Moldova, and I was emailing with him back and forth yesterday, and you know, he said, you know, his whole idea was almost what you said, that you, they all feel like that that's his objective, is to try to build back the Soviet Union. And yeah. uh, his comment to me was, he <laughs> it said, that's uh, once it's out of the box, it's not going back in the box. And so uh, exactly. I, thought that was, I thought that was well said. Well, we're going to come back in just a second. I want to ask you when we come back, this is the question. You've kind of said it. The Ukrainians are going to fight back. Does And I guess we kind of know that, we see that, and we're going to help them fight back. We may not send troops, but we're going to help. But what about the sanctions? I was surprised what took place from Friday to Sunday afternoon and hit the ground running hard Monday morning. I want to talk about the sanctions when we come back. If you just tuned in, my guest is Greg Valliere. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist for AGF Investments. We're talking about the... State of the Union speech, we're talking about what's going on in the economy, and uh, we're going to find out about, really, some things about inflation. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Daniel Irwin or the Better Business Bureau, Greg Valliere, or AGF Investments. The views and opinions expressed are those of Daniel Irwin and Greg Valliere only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Greg Valliere. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist in the whole idea is that uh, he knows what's going on in Washington. Uh, always the wealth of information for us. So I really would like to dive in. I guess I'm talking about, Greg, before the break, we talked about the idea of the mood and the, and the, the problems that Putin may be having with this. And, of course, the, the take that the Ukrainians are going to fight back. But when you see what happened this past from basically from Friday afternoon till Sunday night, this sanction, this overwhelming European collaboration and uh, willing to work together, which they were strong. Even Switzerland stepped in and said, we'll do some things. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? What do you see that happening? I think these sanctions are for real. Sometimes you can sort of roll your eyes and say, oh, they're not going to be all that effective. But when you see Russia raising their interest rates to 20%, when you see the likelihood of uh, their import and export businesses being totally shut down, uh, inflation going up, the standard of living going down, these sanctions are really, really going to bite. And I think that in addition to having a lot of casualties in the Russian army, the, the people of Russia are going to see an economy that will soon be in depression, as I said earlier, not even recession. A depression is coming in Russia, and I think the people there are going to start blaming that Vladimir Putin. And something I read that you said, that that becomes the wild card to this whole thought. Tell me what you mean by that. I mean, I I agree with you 100%. So here's the wild card, in my opinion, Jim. Uh, You could get the elites, the generals, 
who are already perhaps showing some signs of uneasiness over this war. You could see the oligarchs who are going to lose their playgrounds in London and the south of France and their yachts. They're not happy about this. And then you've got other elites, you know, Russian athletes, tennis players, basketball players, who are in the West now who know what's going on. They, they know that this is, there are war crimes being committed by Russia. They hear this in the West. They're going to be talking to their friends and family back in Russia. So these three things, the celebrities, the generals, and the oligarchs together, I think are going to combine to get him out. Mm. Uh, I, I don't want to predict a, a, you know, him being removed violently. I don't know. But I, I do think that sooner or later, the people who really count in Russia will demand his ouster. You know, one of the thoughts here, and I guess we let's, we have to we have to discuss it because forty one percent of the natural gas imported by the twenty seven nations that make up the European Union supplied by Russia. You think yep. about that. Then you all of a sudden twenty five percent of the region's crude oil also comes from Russia, and that's a stat I read from the Eurostat. So the reality is, with that occurring, do you see this? Do you see us coming back to more? I mean, it's kind of like, what are you, well, let me just ask the question, bottom line, is that going to affect the way we supply oil? Are we going to become, we've lost our exporter status, and now we're an importer. Can we reverse that? Well, first of all, I think Joe Biden was too harsh on the U.S. energy industry. I understand the environmentalists wanted to have something happen, but the way Biden treated the Keystone Pipeline and various other things made us suddenly dependent on uh, fossil fuels and imports. That, that is uh, disappointing to have to see. I do think in the U.S. we're going to see gasoline at $5 a gallon, $6 a gallon, maybe over 6 in California for premium. I think that is, uh, is coming. So e- energy is a big part of the story, and especially in Western Europe, where they desperately need Russian natural gas and oil. So I, I think that's probably the last shoe to drop on sanctions. If uh, Biden decides he's even going to put sanctions on Russian energy, that squeezes Moscow e- even more, even though the flip side of this, of course, is that we're all going to have to pay more. Yeah, that's. I think that's what everybody has got in their back of their mind. What does that do when you say pay more? What does that do to the topic that, that was mentioned last night? But, you know, it wasn't major, and yet it's major in any investment portfolio, inflation. What do you think that's going to do to inflation? I think inflation sticks around for a while, not just energy, but things like grain. Uh, Ukraine is one of the world's biggest grain producers. I think the U.S. labor market is going to stay very, very tight with wage pressure on the upside. So the bottom line to me, Jim, for the Fed is that it is this. Is this going to be an inflation story, the higher energy prices, or will this be a slow growth story? And you can make an argument for both. I think it's a major reason why the Fed may not tighten as much as everybody thought a month or two ago. They got to tighten in mid-March. That's definite. Uh, Powell, I believe, has said this already today. But I think the idea of five, six, seven more rate hikes this year, I think that may not be as likely. Mm, That's a great point. Or is that because the concern of what we see globally with the Ukraine and Russia, or is that just basically our economy included? I mean, can, how do you separate that apart? I mean, is that, is that separable? It's tough. 
It, yeah. That's a tough question. That's a very tough question. I think there is concern over slower economic growth, maybe not in the U.S. I think the U.S. will have decent growth this year, but Western Europe uh, could be looking at a big economic slowdown. Yeah. And on the other hand, as we said, there's, there has to be inflation pressure for, for all of this. And I think that uh, the Fed and Jerome Powell were way too sanguine, thinking that inflation could dissipate uh, by now, and they were wrong. And I think we've got many more months to go with inflation at a very high level. Do you think, Greg, at this point that this could possibly, now this is far-fetched, and go with me on this, the idea behind a movement because of the energy and because of Russia and their dominance in Europe, their, you know, the dependency, do we see this maybe swinging the pendulum a little bit back to less green right now, trying to get us back into some norm- normalcy, you know, of the of what we're spending as far as fuel? Get it back. I mean, six dollars a barrel. You and I might pay six. I mean, a barrel. Excuse me, six dollars a gallon. We might pay that, but there's a lot of people that would think twice about it. I mean, it's reality. So, could we switch back to more uh, fuel, fossil fuel orientation, less green? Yep. Absolutely. You make a very good point. I think that the the pendulum is shifting back towards the three fossil fuels, oil, coal, natural gas. I think, you know, the environmentalists have a reason to worry about global climate change. It's it's not an issue to scoff at. But right now, I think we have to focus on just more energy, period. And when all of the activists went to Glasgow back in the fall, they thought the world was tilting uh, back toward you know, renewables, you know, wind, solar. We're not ready for wind and solar. We need, to, we need to get more oil, coal, and gas. And I think the key here is that even Democrats, who went along with the Glasgow activists six months ago, even the Democrats realize that we've got to go back to a certain extent to fossil fuel. Well, let me ask you this question in our closing time we've got together. I, I think there's the reality that I, I saw as, as you kind of watched the State of the Union presentation by the president, his speech. You kind of watched the unity during the first 20 minutes when he's talking about the Russian-Ukrainian, the whole mess there, the war. You could sense a kind of a surge of energy, a surge of, of um, patriotism, which I think is so desperately needed. Then you got yep. into some of the domestic policies, and you could begin to see the separation. But honestly, it wasn't near as bad as I've seen it in the past. I sense some degree of unity. Are we at a state today that because of the elections coming up, I want your take on that, that we could begin to work this thing? You started out talking about Biden working from the middle, which is almost like, wow, I can't believe I'm saying that. But that's really what I saw last night. You said it, too. Well, we'll see. Well, I think the, the politician to watch, as usual, is Joe Manchin, the moderate Democrat from West Virginia, uh, who doesn't want to spend a heck of a lot more money, uh, who does want to go back to a certain extent to fossil fuels. If he can be uh, dealt with, and I think Biden can do it, yes, I think maybe things will be a little less contentious. There's always going to be a lot of loud voices on the extreme left and the extreme left. That's uh, right. That's just the way it goes. But I think on other issues, we, we may be starting with uh, Ukraine. On other issues, we may be starting to look at a little more consensus building. Mm, wow, that's great. All right. Then my question, 
and I need you to just give me this. I need to be able to go to the bank with this. It's the election. It's November. Who takes the House? Who takes the Senate? A very easy call that the Republicans <laughs> that the Republicans take the House. I think it's not by not whether it's by how many seats. They only need five. Jim, I think the Republicans could pick up twenty five or thirty, and I have friends who are even higher than than that number. The Senate is a tougher call. I think the Senate will be a photo finish, but if even one of the houses falls, that's the House. I think that the Biden agenda will be in real trouble for the last two years of his term. Wow, that's, uh, you know, I so much appreciate your knowledge and how you express yourself. You do a great job for us. This is Greg Valliere. He is the Chief U.S. Policy Strategist for AGF Investments. Sir, I just want to say thank you so much and have a wonderful week. You too, my friend. Take care. Again, a very great start for today's program, helping us understand the political side of what took place this recently with the Biden administration's State of the Union from the president, and then what we see with the Ukrainian-Russian crisis and all the things going on with that. Let me remind you, too, I just want to make sure that I say this again, that to that Saturday, March the 5th of this year, 1030, it's the Miracle League is coming to Memphis Put it on your calendars. Make your plans to be there. Christian Brothers University, it's at the theater. You don't want to miss that. I, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it coming up. When we come back, Scott Jordan and I are going to talk about some of the things that Mr. Valier said and how do we see it affecting you and your investment portfolio. So you don't want to go too far. Also, Daniel Irwin, he's going to be here talking about some of the biggest problems we've got. He's, of course, the public relations director with the Better Business Bureau of the Mid-South. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest is going to be Scott Jordan. We're going to kind of kind of rethink what we heard just recently from Greg Velliere, who is the chief of U.S. policy strategist. We're going to kind of rehash that thought. And also coming up is Daniel Irwin. He's with the Better Business Bureau. He's the director of public relations, always with us once a month and does a great job. We've got two big issues going on in the Mid-South right now. And you need to remember this. Stay with us because we're going to talk about it. It's called it's the, the first one I'm going to talk about is called the Certificate of Existence. So just don't want to miss that. That affects if you're a church, you're, if you're a small business, if you're a nonprofit, this is a scam that is costing you money and you don't have to do it. Also, I'm going to ask him something about a money mule, and you don't want to miss that. So stay with us. He'll be coming up here in about the quarter of the hour. But first, Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner. Scott, you lead the number one guest status. Did you know that? I, mean, I did not know that, I mean, Jim, you know, there's a trophy it's... waiting for you out in the parking lot. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is, but it's always great to be here. Thanks All for having right, me again. Good to Jim. have you, partner. Uh, let me ask you this. What did you hear? I mean, you know, when you think about Russia and the whole idea that they are the number two global natural gas producer and the number three global producer of crude oil— 
And that's a big number. 40% of their total revenue comes from the oil and gas. And they're in a battle. They're fighting a war. Um, what's your take on what Mr. Veyer said? Well, first of all, it's always great to get his perspective. I think, you know, I, I did hear some, some positive things and some possible challenges ahead, and I think the energy side of the coin there is going to present some challenges for all of us, especially the the European countries that have come to depend so much on Russia for that oil and natural gas. You know, when we talk about 5 or $6 you know, dollars a gallon here— I didn't like to hear that. I didn't either. I I kind (laughs) of took a deep breath when he said that and said, man, I'm already complaining at four. I I don't (laughs) know what I'm going to do at five and six. And and it could go higher. But you go to Europe, and I mean, I'm always amazed in the trips that I've been to Europe, but I'm paying anywhere from six, seven, eight, nine dollars a liter. And uh, it's just <laughs> going to the metrics. I, <laughs> I can't right. even make yeah. that. Conversion. Well, I don't really I don't even try to figure it out. <laughs> I just go with it. But the reality is, I mean, there's got to be a breaking point. Yeah. And I, I know everybody's thinking that. And I liked what he what he said when he thought that, you know, the whole idea about Putin Almost this narcissistic mindset that he, you know, and we've seen that before in other dictators who have gone so far. And at some point, I really appreciated the fact that he said his people, the generals, the, you know, the whole mindset behind the the celebrities, the the generals, the oligarchs could could turn on him. They they could turn on him. And I think that... uh, you know, if there's a, an upside to this open communication and social media, it's maybe that it's harder to send out the propaganda and actually have it believed by the people when they can see what's going on and get other other sides of the story, whether it's the, you know, the athletes or the celebrities that are living in other countries or or just the people in the country able to get access to a different point of view, and that maybe makes them think a little bit about what's going on. You know, I think that's, and again, that's that, that's that undetermined equation. That's mm-hmm. something that we don't know how that's going to play out. But it's a, it's not the same as we might compare to World War II and the problem with Germany at that point with Hitler, where the you know the the propaganda machine was so right. one-sided, and yet there was rebellion against that. The church rebelled, and you can see that beginning to take place. But when the soldiers are beginning to, you know, saying, wait a second, this is not what I was told. Right. This is I was supposed to be going over there and being a hero. And I'm not. Yeah, I think I think first of all, I'd like to back up and say, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with the Ukrainian people. This is a horrible tragedy. So, you know, whether we're talking about the economics of it or, or the Russian side of it, I do want to acknowledge that this is a terrible time for them. And and we want to be sensitive to that. But it, it does it does bring up some hope that maybe even internally they're starting to see the wrongness of what they're doing. And I think it's made the world see, you know, kind of really define who are the good guys and bad guys again. You know, with the fall of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War, we haven't haven't seen that side of it in a while, or at least not to this degree. Not to but, this degree, yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see that uh, kind of taking shape that maybe internally he's starting to have some morale problems with the troops. Yeah, and you're exactly right, praying for them. I, as I said to you earlier, that I had sent to, I have a dear friend in Molnovia, and uh, we had sent him some information yesterday and was asking and praying for him and stuff like that. And he said, you know, the city is coming together and has said, you know, we are we are united. There's this whole idea of the former Soviet Union is united against that mindset and the, the freedom they have today and over over you know democracy over you know this whole idea of a 
one-sided, you know, totalitarian right. mentality of this is the way it's going. The the communistic mindset. I think that's so so powerful. And you're right. We need to be praying for them. We need to be concerned. I have a friend that has a son that's actually over there, and then we have some people at the office yeah. that have some brothers and sisters that are over there. So we do want to keep them in our prayers. Let me ask you this. Do you think with that in mind, this whole movement that, you know, Russia Russia is going to be seen as this pariah, or is it Putin that's being seen as the pariah? That's a great question, and I don't know if we know the answer to that yet. I, I think maybe, I think, first of all, Putin definitely, definitely. And, and possibly the Russian people, depending on which side they land on this. And, you know, they're being led by their leaders, so I don't want to, you know, downplay the influence that that has. So we I don't know that we know the answer to that yet, but I think, you know, like Greg was talking about, as you start to see... Uh, I saw a story about some texts that came out from a Russian soldier to his mom saying, hey, this is not quite what we thought this was all about. So there's probably the mindset building over there that this is this is maybe not where we want to go. And maybe these sanctions, you know, because I, I, I heard the word used depression in Russia, which is which is a strong, strong word, strong word. And. I think that could could end up changing people's mindset and how they feel about Putin and what he's doing. Yeah, that's a great point. Let me ask you this. Back to something about economics. Inflation, what does this contribute? I mean, Greg had some thoughts. Uh, What's your take? Well, I think we were already, you know, we've been experiencing inflationary pressures, and we've kind of, we we had a whole show where we dug into this a little bit. But, you know, there there have been kind of this sticky side to inflation versus this, temporary more caused by the supply chain disruptions the chip shortages and things like that that we really felt would work themselves out but i think we're seeing you know just another uh, exogenous shock to the to the system that could potentially you know further complicate the supply chains is one side of that and then you also have the energy cost side of it you know energy is such an input cost into most of what we do so Anytime we have a rise in energy costs that we can't solve quickly, that's going to tend to put inflationary pressure. So I think there's still a couple of sides to that. I, you know, long term, there there are those trends that were in place before, you know, the demographic trends, the aging population, uh, the amount of debt out there. Uh, globalization has been deflationary or disinflationary, at least. Uh, so there's there's pros and cons to a lot of those. But a lot of those trends are still there. But I think they they have been interrupted temporarily. And, and that globalization piece, you know, that's something that, you know, with the fall of the Berlin Wall and all that opening up, a lot of people thought that was going to be inflationary, but it turned out to be disinflationary because it created more global competition, more cheap labor. And now that is kind of reversing a little bit. So some will have to keep an eye on. That's a great point. That. Yeah, that's a great point. Let me ask you this, summarizing, what do you want our listeners to hear? What do you mean? We've heard Greg Vellier, of course, and give us his thoughts and, and very much, you know, right there. But again, how do we couch this into this is what we see from the investment side? If you're investing, what do you do? I mean, you know, last Great Thursday, question. you know, what goes on and just total volatility. What do you say? I think I would say to the long-term investor that this is just another short-term event. Not Again, not to make light of it, but this is a short-term event that you have to expect. But as a long-term goal-focused fo- investor where your investment strategy is centered around your financial plan, this is not something you shift and change gears on. I mean, that's these are the types of risks that 
when you and I design a portfolio, we're always thinking about these times and looking at it, and that's why we diversify. That's why we look at our allocation and go, okay, how much risk can we tolerate? How much of that volatility can we tolerate? And we, we plan on these types of things. We never know where they're coming from. We don't know what's going to cause them, but we know there are going to be shocks to the system that are going to cause volatility. That's part of being a long-term investor. If you're going to stick around in this uh, game of investing for 20 or 30 years, you're going to go through a lot of these times. So you just got to prepare for it, plan on it, plan on what you're going to do when it happens. And a lot of times the best course of action is to stay the course and not panic and get scared out of the market. And get your emotions out of the television and don't go there. And, and I'll say this, you know, I said this uh, on the show where we're talking about inflation. I do think there's a lot of potential for innovation to outrun this inflation over the long term. So I think short term, yeah, we may see some problems, but I think the creative, innovative businesses will get to work on ways to solve these problems and we'll see them do it. Scott, always great to have you on the program. Great Do a great here. job. Coming up, when we come back, you're going to find out what it means to have a certificate of existence. And do you need to pay for that? That's, a, that's something you're going to find out. And what is a money mule? Daniel Irwin is our guest. He is the Director of Public Relations for the Better Business Bureau right here in the Mid-South. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I want to remind you again, the Miracle League is coming to Memphis Saturday, March the 5th, 2022. At 10.30 is the kickoff. It's going to be at Christian Brothers University at the theater. Just come in on the southwest corner of the campus and enter from Central Avenue. You can't miss it. We're going to be having, we're going to give out the first 150 children to get prizes, special guests, including Homer, the Miracle League mascot, is going to be there, and the Chick-fil-A cow. They're going to wrestle. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. But I want to tell you kids, bring your parents, your siblings, your friends to learn about the Miracle League of Memphis. It, um, it's a great complex. It's about playing baseball. For a special needs child, it's about a great place to play and have a family outing for that special needs child. They can be out in the parking lot, out in the park, and enjoy what they're doing. This is going to be a big thing for families, so don't miss that. That's Saturday, again, at 10 o'clock, 1030, at the Christian Brothers University Theater. Well, let me welcome Greg, well, Greg Velia, he's already been here, but Daniel Irwin, the Director of Public Relations for the Better Business Bureau, Daniel, it is always a pleasure sure, to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. I'm I'm always uh, it's always a pleasure. Well, you do a wonderful job for our listeners. We get a lot of comments about this, but now here's here's the thought: this certificate of existence. Now that sounds kind of uh, important. Yeah. So local businesses and other organizations, including churches, uh, are receiving official-looking notices that suggest they need to pay to get a Tennessee Certificate of Existence. Uh, this has become so popular and so prevalent that the Tennessee Secretary of State has issued several alerts that this is a scam. Now, you're talking about churches, you're talking about nonprofits, small businesses, anybody could get this certificate or this this 
formal letter. Right. So this specific scam is targeting not just businesses. And we've seen that in the past where this scam has been around and targeted local businesses, small businesses. But this time around, this scam is targeting nonprofits, including churches. Yeah. And so the way the this version of the scam goes is you get an email and the notice, it's, it comes through email. And we always talk about, you know, don't don't click on emails you don't recognize. Right. And be careful with with emails. But this notice is titled the 2022 Certificate of of existence request and comes from a Nashville company called the Tennessee Certificate of Existence Filing Company. But it has an official looking seal of the state of Tennessee and other language and features that makes it appear to be coming from the state. So it is spoofing the state of Tennessee, trying to get you to pay $175 for something that only cost you $20 through the state of Tennessee. If you really needed it. If you really need it. And there's really not a lot of situations where you would need that. Uh, one, you might need it for a loan, possibly, but you would go through the Secretary of State to get that, and it's only cost you $20. But businesses and churches are asked to pay $175 to get the certificate, and they're almost scared into doing it. Right. Oh, absolutely. Now, what are you telling them? What are you telling them to do? Well, just be very, very careful. You always vet everything. Right. It used to be that these kind of notices came in the mail. And so you could check the address that it was coming from and you could see really quickly it wasn't coming from, you know, the state of Tennessee. Or when you're looking at something on a piece of paper, you can see that that seal doesn't look quite right, right? It's been photocopied. But because it comes in an email, it can be really hard to tell that that seal has been spoofed and it's been hijacked and it's not the real seal of the state of Tennessee. So the telltale sign in this particular circumstance was the uh, email address that this uh, this notice came from. It came from a Outlook.com address. And I'm going to take this time to remind you that be wary of any uh, government or business communication uh, that that has a Yahoo or Gmail address or something that's not a corporate address, right? Official communication from a business or the government is going to come from a corporate or a business.gov address. That's a great point. But Scott, you know, you and I have worked with people before that that but just because they're trusting people, it comes out. Right. It's got the seal. They right. don't look at that email address. Well, it looks good. They, they, the uh, the people perpetrating these uh, crimes, they have gotten very clever at making things look really good. And it shows how they evolve, right? Because this scam isn't new. It's been around, but this is the first time we've seen it target churches, wow. churches, right? And so, if you think about it, you know. Uh, you get an email and you're, you're, you know, you see that maybe it's something you have to have in the email. It's got the state of the, you know, the official seal and it's and telling you're in a you hurry. you need it, right? And so you're in a hurry and you don't know better because you're a church. You don't always, you know, deal with this type of thing. So it, it, it's targeting people that it's not used to target. And so it's it was, evolving. Yeah, if it was $1,000, you would hesitate. But $175, right. you do it and you move on and it's a scam. And it is a real thing, right? There is something really called that. It's just it only costs you $20 and you don't get it from a private company. You can only get it from the state of Tennessee. Hmm. That's why you should always verify. Even if it did, was a real notice and you did get an email, that you think is from the state of Tennessee, I would always recommend that you pick up the phone and you call the state directly to verify. You know, Daniel Irwin, Director of Public Relations for the Better Business Bureau, if you guys cannot hear him on the radio as he talks to you, that there's one thing you don't have any question about dealing with Daniel about. He is passionate 
very passionate about protecting you. So you want to pay attention. So the first one he's talked about today, the reality is the certificate of existence, or maybe you might authentication. But here's the bottom line. Now, I'm going to ask you about one, Daniel, Call this money mule. That, to me, is kind of like, a, okay, I saw the movie The Mule, you know, and right. is it similar? Well, you know, the thing that comes to mind when we talk about money mules, if you think of it like money laundering, maybe that gives you a better sense. I got it. But basically, scammers, particularly those located overseas, often use money mules to receive and transfer the proceeds of scams to them. So basically, a money mule is someone who transfers illegally obtained money or goods to a scammer who doesn't want to receive them directly. Um most money mules are unsuspecting fraud victims that have no idea that they're committing a crime, right? It is so prevalent that the Memphis office of the FBI and other law enforcement agencies have recently issued another alert saying money mule schemes are increasing. And the Department of Justice Justice just took action against more than 4,000 money mules in its fourth annual money mule initiative. That's hard to believe. And yet at the same time, they don't even know they're they're a part of a, a crime, but they're doing what they think they're supposed to be doing. Right. And so, you know, it, it's important to, to realize, and according to the FBI, the elderly, college students, and recent immigrants are targeted. And the most common way mm. we see money mules in the Mid-South are employment scams and romance scams. Right. So and it's usually those work from home type jobs that you end up muling money. And so, you know, who are those jobs uh, attractive to? They're attractive to the elderly and the retired. Right. They want work from home jobs, sure. uh, college students that, that are looking for extra money or uh, recent immigrants that don't really know how our society quite works. Right. Um, so, again, we see this. The most common two forms in the Mid-South are what we call a reshipping scam. And I believe we've talked about that on your show in the past. But uh, basically, uh, you think that you're working from home. You get a uh, a, a job um, from a job board. You you reply to a job. The, you you think that you're hired. They actually send you goods. And it can be anything from drones, gold bars, uh, high-end electronics, and you resend it to somebody else. Well, those goods have been stolen, uh, have been purchased using stolen credit cards. So you're acting as a middleman. So you're muling the money or laundering the money, right? The other way that we see money mules is through, uh, you always hear me talk about gift cards or for gifts and not payments. Yes. Well, you know, when you go... And you take that check that they've sent you, right? And you go to the bank and you cash that check and you follow the instructions and you go do whatever task they want you to do. And you get those gift cards and you send those numbers off. You have laundered that money for them. <laughs> and then, of course, the bank's going to come back and, and, and it's gonna, they're going to tell you it's a fake check. And, you know, you're on the hook for that money. But you've essentially muled that money to the scammer who now can spend that money and doesn't have to worry about laundering it because you've just done it for them. You mentioned gift cards. You say this all the time. It's hard for me to believe that gift cards are still even being thought about used, but they still are. They are. And uh, just to give you some some numbers, in Shelby County in 2021, uh, to uh, according to our scam tracker, there was over five hundred thousand dollars lost to Shelby County residents. Right, seventy five percent of that came from people going to get gift cards. So it is. It, it may seem far fetched, but it's it's the number one way that people lose money to scammers. And again, it's a duel because you know you're not only are you sending scammers money, but you're also laundering it for them when you do it. That's a scary thought that you're doing that, not really knowing you're doing it. You've got so much information, Daniel. Irwin 
Goodwin always does a great job. His telephone number is 759-1300, 759-1300. If you've got a question, you can go to Irwin at bbbmidsouth.org. They Correct. do talk to him and all the time. You get questions from him all the time from our listeners and people that are talking to you. Daniel, you always do a great job, man. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. You know, it's amazing how much information we pick up in this show that uh, we talk about the political side of what President Biden's President Biden's speech was last night and the reality. Scott did a great job helping us understand it. That's always important. And then, of course, Daniel just lays it out for us in a great way. I want to remind you, too, that the Miracle League of Memphis, it's Saturday at March the 5th at 1030 at Christian Brothers University. Just go to simply miracleleague.org or miracleleague.com and you can find out more information about it. Guys, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks great to be here, Jim. Well, if you want to talk to either one of these guys, Daniel or Scott, you can reach Scott or Daniel. Both of them, just call 757-5757. We can connect you. You can find our show, Talk Money, at Shoemaker Financial. Just simply go to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. It's easy on any place you go and get your podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. It's much appreciated. Next week, my guest, Tiffany Bowders, she is going to be talking about estate planning basics, and Scott is going to come right back and talk about some of these estate planning mistakes. We're going to tie these two together, and that's going to be one of those programs you'll learn a lot about what you need to be doing from estate planning. Also, Ted Miner, here's a thought. The whole idea of your lump sum Social Security benefit. What about that? And we'll find out more about it next week. Don't want to miss the program. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. If you have questions, you can send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you so much for listening. We want to remind you we're here every week, and we appreciate you being a part of the program. We're here helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.